Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to Unscrewed, the show that knows that real liberation includes sexual liberation. I am your host, Jacqueline Friedman, and welcome back for another spare parts episode of Unscrewed, where I bring you a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and get you in and out in 15 minutes or less. Oh, people, it has been a hell of a week, has it not? I feel like I should address in some way all of the sexual bullshit misogyny that Trump has been spewing in the last week. I know it's been covered, so I'm not going to dwell on it too long. But like, let's be clear. Clinton didn't say Alicia Machado, the former Miss Universe, was pure as the driven snow. She said that Machado didn't deserve to be abused by Trump. And so clearly in his head, a woman who doesn't deserve to be abused by him has to be, in his own words, innocent and a paragon of virtue. And I just think that is so revealing of basically our entire dominant sexual culture and and how he thinks about it, as well as the fact that he thinks that attacking Hillary for having Bill cheat on her is a winning strategy when he himself has cheated on multiple wives, as well as the fact that he thinks that a woman having participated in a sex tape, which again is not true, but even if she had, is quote, disgusting, whereas him having participated in a sex tape, which is in fact true, he was in a Playboy soft porn, just the cameo, obviously doesn't make him disgusting and that it doesn't make him disgusting somehow that he watched Paris Hilton's sex tape, even though, as was established on last week's show, that quote-unquote sex tape was A, released without her consent, but B, Paris Hilton says that she was not consenting to the sex. She was too high to be consenting. And C, Donald Trump knew Paris Hilton from, from when she was 12 years old and still felt comfortable watching that video. And somehow that doesn't make him disgusting, but if Alicia Machado had in fact done a sex tape, which she hasn't, that would somehow make her disgusting. I just want to make sure we're all clear on how revealing Trump's misogynist verbal diarrhea is about the exact parts of the sexual culture that this podcast is made to unscrew. Please vote. Literally, go to IWillVote.com. Make sure you're registered. Make sure your friends and family are registered. Vote. Do not let somebody who hates women and sex this much become the president of the United States. Please. Okay. Soapbox put away for now. 
I got an email from a listener in response to one of the Rewind episodes we did while I was on hiatus. It was in response to What Does a Woman Feel Like? The show I did with Rebecca Kling about gender identity and language. And in it, we talked about words that we wish there were like better words for when it came to sex and gender. And I had said that I wish there was a better word for bisexuality because I felt like bisexuality suggests a gender binary. And obviously I reject that idea as there being only two genders. And I got a very thoughtful email from a listener named Lacey, who says in part, lots of people use lots of different words to describe their attraction to multiple genders. And that's totally fine. It's fine to feel like bisexual doesn't fit you personally for whatever reason. But please, 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 please do not reinforce the misunderstanding that bisexual people are only attracted to two presumably binary genders. Bi organizations and activists have been using the word bisexual to indicate an attraction to more than one, multiple, or two or more genders for decades. And this language is intentional. And then they include some links for reading, uh, and I'll put those in the show notes. You can always go to JacquelineTreepin.com slash unscrewed to find the show notes for any show. Lacey goes on to say, I'm a non-binary person and I am bisexual. I'm attracted to people of multiple genders, not just men and women, and I don't consider myself to be a man or woman. I ask that others use gender-neutral pronouns, they, them, for me. Many others in the bi community have similar experiences. I intentionally choose to call myself bisexual. In my experience, the bi community is one of the only places I've felt my gender identity acknowledged as valid. I also feel a strong connection to the culture and history associated with the bi community. I don't feel the same way about other terms. Bisexual is not some sort of inferior or less radical term that I've settled for. So Lacey, I want to say thank you for writing in. I think it's really important to hear other voices and other opinions about how language around sex and gender functions. Here's how I think about this. I still feel for me that bisexual, the word for me, it's just too inherently underscores the binary. Like it literally is the same prefix as the word binary, binary, bisexual. I absolutely fully acknowledge and understand that bisexual people use the word in different ways. And that's great. But for me, I still do wish there was a better word because I don't like that word. So I apologize for not specifically saying for me, this is how I relate to the word as opposed to this is what the word means in some authoritative way. I was not meaning to define it for everyone, but it is still how I relate to it. And people use words in different ways. I think that it's great. You should be free to relate to it how you do. I'm still going to relate to it the way I do. It's been too long and I've tried and I just can't with the word bisexual. So I hope that we can agree to disagree. And I promise that I will be more careful in the future to make sure that I'm speaking about my own relationship to the word bisexual and not everybody's relationship to the word bisexual. So yeah, thanks for calling me in on that. All right, I have two more treats for you in this episode, and both of them are from the fantastic Sadie Doyle, who I'm so glad you all enjoyed last week on the show Promiscuous Bisexual Freak Show, talking about her book Trainwreck and women that we treat as train wrecks or conceive of as train wrecks. The first one, I was really sad not to be able to fit in the show because I think it's really important dynamic that we didn't get to cover, which was about the ways in which the idea of a woman as train wreck has to do with class. So here's Sadie on that. Yeah, there's definitely a class implication around it. I think it it resonates differently for individual train wrecks. I think for somebody like Whitney Houston, there was a lot of evidence that we were interested in establishing her as low class, specifically because one of the things that threatened 
us most about her was that she was an upwardly mobile black woman. With Brittany, again, there was a lot of evidence that we were interested in calling her white trash. People were for some reason scandalized that she ate Cheetos because it was like poor people food. Rich people eat fucking Cheetos. Like, let's not play. (laughs) Cheetos are delicious. Yeah. (laughs) Cheetos, we were just like really upset that she would dare to eat our peasant food or something. We want to believe that these people who are sort of wealthy and famous and powerful, you know, it's sort of like a weird externalization of classism. We want to believe that they're much better than us, that they have deserved the amount of privilege they have by being perfectly well-behaved. And when they behave badly, that's also a little bit rewarding because then it's like, oh, you're down on our level. You're no better than I, Paris Hilton. So in some ways, the train wreck story is like grappling with the the just world fallacy Hmm. Yeah. right like oh like that person doesn't deserve to be better than me like it, it's sort of us grappling with the fact that we don't actually live in a just world yeah exactly like when we see something good happen to someone we want to believe that they deserve it when we see something bad happen to someone we want to believe that they've deserved that And when we get evidence that the universe is random and, you know, good outcomes happen to quote unquote bad people and vice versa, it really confuses and alarms us in some ways by looking at these exceptionally wealthy, successful people for signs that they are flawed, for signs that they are messed up. We're almost trying to force our way back into a world where the best things happen to the best people. Right. Which, of course, then we have to go back and examine what we think is best and worst when it comes to things like promiscuity. I hope you enjoyed that. A little additional smarts from Sadie. Please let us know also what you've been thinking about train wreck narrative since last week's show. Use the hashtag unscrewed on Twitter at me at Jacqueline F. Send me emails at unscrewed at JacquelineFriedman.com. Let's keep the conversation going. But before we let Sadie go, I also asked her to help out a listener who emailed for some advice because her boyfriend is being too cautious with her about her trauma history. Here's that question and Sadie's answer. The listener writes, I was assaulted in college 17 years ago now. I have pretty thoroughly dealt with it in a number of ways and have started in the last few years to finally feel like I can claim my sexual desires more fully. I recently started dating a wonderful man with whom I feel a great deal of trust and sexual connection. He and I share similar desires, including for him to be dominant. However, I recently told him about my assault experience and he is now feeling a lot of conflict about his desires. He has owned this as his issue to process and has listened to me talk about my path of healing, including being able to claim my desire to be submissive within our sexual relationship. But I haven't been able to find any resources that might be helpful to him. I found things directed at partners of survivors, but they tend to be for earlier in the healing process than where I am. Do you know of anything? I think that it's great that you two are actually talking about your desires and talking about your histories. Everybody, though, brings a history to their sex life. It's wonderful that he cares about the trauma that you've gone through, that he's, you know, worried about you, that he wants to make sure that sex with you is safe and fun for you both and that he's not, you know, exploiting any trauma that you might have. But I think that there is a tendency specifically to pathologize that desire to be submissive. There's a tendency to pathologize women who've been through assault as being somehow damaged. And I think that when it comes time to, you know, go through how your assault plays into you being submissive or into him being dominant, 
you, I trust the two of you enough, just because this sounds like a pretty healthy relationship at base, that you probably do have safe words. You have the ability to, to call a timeout. You have the ability to talk about it if stuff gets weird or if it gets threatening for you. But if he's treating you as if you are somehow too fragile to have sex that you both like, that you both enjoy, that's, that's good concern on his part, but it's misplaced concern. I can't tell you exactly how your healing process is going to go, but in my experience, when you are healing from a place where your sexuality has been hurt or degraded, the best healing process is to have sex that is fun and that yeah. is fulfilling. Yeah, yeah. You know, in whatever way you define that. But if you now can't have, you know, fun, submissive, dominant interactions with your boyfriend, that's not necessarily good for your healing process. It's, I know he doesn't mean it this way, but it's kind of another way of undermining your agency, which is actually what needs to be restored after a violation like that, right? That the idea that you do, you are a full human being and you can say what you want and don't want. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. My recommendation would also be like, maybe he needs just a little emotional support himself. Like, Maybe it's not a book, although there's a great book. I forget if it has anything in it for partners, but there's a book called The Survivor's Guide to Sex, which I trust a lot. Um, I don't know if you've checked it out, but I would call like your local rape crisis center. Like they always have people you can talk to and partners can talk to them too. Like if you've got a competent hotline, I don't know where you live, but a therapist or a rape crisis hotline, if they're good, could give him some support just to talk out whatever his fears are about like hurting you or or playing into dynamics so that he can get that support outside the relationship so that he he can come to you sort of fully ready to be with you as a partner so i just layer that on yeah absolutely but i totally agree with you sadie i feel like the thing he needs to do is stop treating you like a teacup um (laughs) (laughs) and i get that you know i've had partners like that you know with my history my being a survivor like i absolutely have had this but i think the important thing to know is like that's something that they need to work out um and it's not something that they necessarily need you to work out for them yeah being able to ask for something and get it and have a good time is a really good fun restoration of agency that looks different for everybody but i would say let him know that it's good that he cares, but that it is, it's also, you know, you wouldn't be doing this if you weren't having a good time. Also play him the episode of the show that I aired a couple of weeks ago called Feminists with Rape Fantasies. Mm, yeah. Uh, which addresses some of this stuff from a different angle. Awesome. Sadie, thank you for helping out our listener. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for letting me help. And thanks once again to Sadie for coming on our show. Make sure to check out her book, Trainwreck. It is fantastic. And if you are wanting some sex or sexuality advice from me and a future guest, please send in your questions to unscrewed at JacquelineFreeman.com. You can even send in an audio file and we could play your voice in your own words on the show. Just attach it to the email and we will get it on. That's all we have time for this week. If you like this show, make sure you're subscribed to it wherever you like to listen to your podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, wherever we're there. And while you're in iTunes, please give us five stars and a little review. That is how you help the show grow. You help us find new audiences. The show is produced and edited by yours truly, our in and out music is by The Pink Tiles, and our cover art is by Nicole Dodonna and was produced in collaboration with The Establishment, which also produced the sound cues. Until next week, I'm wishing you safe and happy sex lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.